Hey, Jerry. Happy Sunday. Love you. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday to all y'all. My name is Pete. I am one of the pastors here. I'm super glad that you are here as well. I am very excited about what is happening in our church this week. Today, we are starting four days of community prayer and fasting. And you can read more about that using the guide, which is inside your program. I have really loved community fasting through the years, and I'm really looking for God to show up in my life at our Come Holy Spirit Conference, which is starting this week on Thursday evening. And we're inviting you to pray and fast with us as well. And that might mean going without eating for four days with us, or fasting for a day, or skipping a meal per day, or just refraining from something else in your life that you want to set aside. We're doing all this so that we can pray. And let me tell you how fasting makes you an amazing prayer. Every time you're hungry, pray. I don't know about you, but I got like a certain amount that I pray during the day. If I fast and every time I'm hungry, I pray, I pray more, right? Does that make sense? And so like fasting opens my connection with God to a deeper place and to a deeper level. And so all of us who are doing this are going to be saying different prayers, of course. You've got to pray for the things that are in your life. I've got to pray for the things that are in mine. But we're asking that all of us, whether you're fasting with us or not, would be praying for one thing specifically, that God would pour out the Holy Spirit on us during this conference, because we're looking for God to change our world. I remember getting an email from Don Weber, who's on the preaching team. He preached last week. And it said, I was just praying for the conference, and I really felt like God said that we should have a time of fasting for the conference. And I thought, that's awesome, but fasting's hard, and so I should think about it longer. And then uh, Steve Nicholson, who is leading the conference, emailed the next day and said, I really feel like you guys need to have a time of prayer and fasting for the conference. And I thought, who cares if it's hard? We should totally do that. That sounds like the Spirit of God leading people in different states to like the same conclusion about what God might be doing among us. And so we're looking to God to change our world. Today marks the close of our Holy Spirit series. I have been super grateful for the messages in this series and our preaching team. Last week, Don Weber did a grateful job sharing about, uh, did a great job sharing about how to experience the Holy Spirit. This week, I get to finish by sharing about what the Holy Spirit is doing among us. That was literally the topic we assigned me like months ago, just share whatever the Holy Spirit's doing among us. And so this was a tough sermon prep week because apparently the Holy Spirit is totally beyond my control. Who would have guessed? I spent some time over the last couple weeks dreaming of what I want the Holy Spirit to do. Have you ever tried to tell God what to do? Is it working for anybody better than me? Does anybody have any tips that actually work? In my mind, we're at a time where focusing on mission and outreach is important. You know what? Third serv or second service here is a little bit lighter than first service. How about we go invite our friends? How about we invite someone to this conference and then invite them to come on a Sunday? That's what I feel like. The Holy Spirit should be doing. And so I tried to pray God into my plans, and I heard God say instead, refreshing. That's the word I heard, just one word. I didn't understand, and so I ignored it and kept on praying. And then this week, I was praying again, trying to fit God into my plans. And God said, times of refreshing. And this time, it was super clear. And so if you've been weighed down lately, God wants to do something for you today. Whether you've been weighed down by your own choices or by the brokenness of the world, God has something for you. God wants to lift you up so that you can be a witness to the goodness and the glory of God. 
Today we're going to walk through most of Acts 3 to get a sense of what God might be inviting us into as far as times of refreshing goes. And there's an invitation in Acts 3 that's for every one of us today. And so we're going to start with verse 1, where we got two of the disciples in action. Acts 3, verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so that he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Now... One of the things I love most about the ministry of Jesus that we have in the Bible and the ministry of Jesus' followers is that some of the most important opportunities came through interruptions. Some of the most amazing miracles of Christ and of his disciples happened when they were interrupted. Peter and John are on their way to something important in their minds. This is their daily prayer time. It happens at 3 o'clock whether they're there or not. And they're interrupted by a man who can't walk who is begging. You may not know this, but on the level of brain chemistry, every time your attention is engaged and something interrupts you, irritants are released into your brain. You don't get to have any like, permission about that, right? This is why families that use cell phones during meals fight more than those who don't. Because when you're on your cell phone, everything's an interruption. It's just inherently more irritating. When we're constantly engaged, everything else is a bother. The early Jesus followers like Jesus, model a way of living that overcomes our natural tendencies. They were interruptible. And so let's see what happens here. Verse 4, Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And he jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. And then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Now just imagine what it would be like to be unable to walk since you were born in an era with no safety net. No public support, no disability-friendly laws, no ramps, no good wheelchairs. I have a friend who works full-time supporting international adoption of babies with medical disabilities. And in many parts of the world, these babies have no future or life if no one takes them. Or if they have a future, it's like this man's, a future of begging, of depending on other people for everything. How much fun is it to ask strangers for money? Now, it's not that fun. Every day of this man's life, he's been begging to survive. But on this day, something changes his world forever. He asks a couple followers of Jesus for money, and they give him something way better in return. We have a phrase in the vineyard, we call this a supernatural exchange. That's where we come to God with what we've got, and then we receive from God what God has for us. A supernatural exchange is at the heart of our Sunday worship. We've designed our whole service to function around this. We end with offering ourselves to God in song and prayer and in community. And then God gives us back whatever God has for us. I hope that every Sunday you come is a supernatural exchange for you. 
I hope that you can come here on a good week or a bad one with a sense of peace or a chaotic morning mess. How many people had a chaotic morning mess? Anybody want to fess up? It's third service. We can be a second. We can be honest about these things here. I hope you can come with the fruit of the Spirit or with the fruit of a week of unhelpful choices. Whatever it is, we have built this thing around giving ourselves to God through prayer and worship and then leaving space for God to give us back whatever God wills. And so I invite you to give yourself to God again today. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of doing that right now. Because talking about this thing is only so helpful. Let's actually do it for a second. And so I want to invite you to picture what are you bringing to God today? Who is it that you are right now? What is it that you've got going on in your life? So God, we want to come together again today. And we want to give you what we've got. So here we are. Here's our week. Here's our day. Here's our morning. Here's our family and friends. Here's who we are inside right now. Here's how we feel. And we ask God, would you help us make space for whatever you have to give us? And would you give it to us right now? Would you speak? Would you send your Holy Spirit into our hearts? us to receive your supernatural exchange, God, whatever it might be. Amen. Verse 9. All the people saw the lame man walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Now, it's easy to picture ourselves in this story. If we saw a guy walking around after a lifetime of laying there, we would all run out in amazement too. And if we were the ones who got healed, wouldn't you be hanging on to Peter and John also? Like, you guys must be super amazing. Do that again, right? Like, wow, make sure it doesn't go away, all right? This man is having a moment of gratitude like most of us are never going to know. And if that was the end of this story, what a great story it would be. But there is more. When God does miracles, people are interested in a deeper way. The testimony of the miracles God has done draws people's attention and openness to God. It's one reason you might invite your friends to the Come Holy Spirit Conference. Verse 12, Peter saw his opportunity and he addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? That's a foolish question. The guy's walking. That's what's so surprising about this. That's a rhetorical question. Why stare at us? as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness. For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one, and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed, and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Peter sees the crowd is amazed, and Peter knows where the credit belongs. 
And so as an opener, Peter connects what just happened here with the whole history of the people of God. This wasn't just some random act. This was the God of our forefathers bringing glory to Jesus. And then Peter does something that's not very political. He hits really hard. He says, you know what? You're the ones who brought Jesus to death on the cross. There have been people through the ages who've used these verses in an anti-Semitic way to say the Jews are especially at fault for Jesus' death, as if Jesus was not Jewish or something. That is not why that's in the Bible. This is in the Bible because all of us share the same humanity that led to the death of Christ. All of us. We live in a broken world, and sometimes that brokenness is inside us. Peter himself knows this while he's preaching. He denied knowing Jesus three times on the night Jesus was captured and killed. Can you imagine the sense of guilt to be Jesus' friend and he gets captured and you tell everyone you don't even know him and then he gets crucified? That guilt and shame Peter carried must have been overwhelming. Our Lord was holy and righteous, but he was put to death. And at the center of our faith is the miracle that God has raised him from the dead. Humanity killed the author of life, but God has begun the resurrection in Jesus. And Peter and John saw it with their own eyes, and they wanted everybody to know. Verse 17, friends, I realize what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Now, repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Now, when Jesus was on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Right while he was being put to death. Whatever sins you carry, sins done by you or sins done to you, Jesus is able to take the burden of all of them. Jesus shows us God's love in human form, forgiving everyone right up to the end. Some of us in this room have done some horrible things. Oh, I'm one of them. I'm, lead, I'm leading the charge, right? I defy anyone to tell me you've done something worse than put nails in Jesus' hands today. I defy you to tell me you've done something worse than kill the present incarnation of the Son of God today. And what does Jesus say to those who did even that? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus can forgive everything you've ever done, all of it. Amen. Whatever sins you carry. Peter sees the same thing Jesus saw. What was done to Jesus was done in ignorance, but God used that terrible day to fulfill the scriptures about the Savior. And three days later, Jesus rose from the dead and was seen by hundreds of witnesses who spent the entire rest of their life sharing the story with people, lots of them ending in death in horrible ways for continuing to tell the same story. And in verses 19 and 20, we get to the invitation that God has for you today. The miracle 
with the man who couldn't walk produces all kinds of listeners, and so Peter preaches. And Peter's preaching is aimed at our ears and hearts and lives today, just like it's aimed at them back then. Now, repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. And then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you, Jesus, your appointed Messiah. In the vineyard, we say that the way in is the way on. The way we come to God is to repent and turn to God. That's the first step in the life of faith, and it's also the way that we keep on growing. It's the way we keep on going. That same way in is the same way that we're going to live on. Sins are all the wrongs we've done. Most of us know that, right? But the word for sin in the Bible also includes everything that falls short of perfect. It's all the good you missed, just like it's the wrong things you've done. I have done wrong or missed out on good, or most often both, every day of my life. Amen? That's, that's you can all amen my sin, right? But you, maybe all of us in the room have managed to miss out on something good at some point. Sin's not just the terrible things other people do. It's actually the human condition. I like talking about sin because I start to think about it as like evil, stabby, first-degree, murdery badness, and that's totally not what it is. Sin is the nature of human existence. We have all fallen short. We just have. And I feel very free and very good about admitting that fact. Jesus came to make that part right. He came to help us find freedom from the guilt and shame that follow us. He came to set us free to live into the good life of Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus invites us again today to repent. That means to change our natural state of mind. Most of us, when we're doing wrong or failing to do good, believe it's the right or the justified thing at the time. We have these good intentions or we have a story that makes sense to us. And of course, sometimes we also do wrong on purpose. Maybe we just can't do any better today. Repenting is changing our mind about that whole thing. Repentance is admitting, you know what, this way I've been living, it's not good for me or for the world. And Jesus invites us into a life of repentance because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The number one thing Jesus said, the stuff we have way more words about from Jesus than anything else, is repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. That's what we pray for in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done right here on earth like it is in heaven. When we agree with God that, you know what, we're not perfect, I have fallen short, God, I have done wrong, I have missed out on doing good, we step into humility. What would the world be like if Christians were known for being a humble people? What would it be like if our top reputation in the community around us was humility? I can tell you one amazing thing. It would be like our recovery meetings on Tuesday nights. The 12 steps start with humility for a reason. We admit that we can't control our tendency to do the wrong thing. That is a godly first step. And in that step, there's a chance to change the world. Repentance takes the center off us. I'm not perfect and right. It helps us put our center on Christ instead.
It frees us to genuine worship of God instead of worshiping ourselves. And incredibly enough, Jesus came to write not just the sins we've done, but the stuff sin has done to us, the stuff that has harmed us and warped and broken our lives from the outside. Jesus came to bring freedom and healing for those things as well. I am carrying a lot of trauma in my body from my experience of 2020, and I do not know how to make it better. Is anybody carrying around any trauma these days? where like a bad thing happens in your life and it triggers this whole ball of wax that you happen to be carrying around with you. I do not know how to make it better, but I know who can. And so I'm just going to keep on bringing myself to Jesus. I'm going to keep on repenting and turning to God. I'm going to trust and have faith that God has a path to freedom for me and for every one of us who's here in this room today. God has a path to freedom and healing for you. Now as, okay, sorry, the way in is the way on. The start to a relationship with God is accept that we're not perfect and then turn to God. That's it. That's the Bible's answer to the brokenness in and around us. And so don't miss out on the chance to do that again today. We're going to close by doing it again. Wait, that's twice in the same day, Pastor. Yes, it is. This is a good way of life. Now, when we followed Jesus for a while, we can start to miss the forest for the trees. I don't know how many times I've been at a pastor's gathering and I or another pastor are sharing some complicated thing and someone's like, you should pray about that. And we're like, whoa, that's amazing. I totally haven't done that yet. I should totally do that, right? You can miss the forest for the trees. I want to invite you, don't let a day go by without taking the first step of following Jesus. Repent and turn to God. And if you're willing to take this step for the thousandth time or for the first time today, the Bible has really good news for you. As with so many of God's invitations, our action is matched and exceeded by the generosity and the love and the power of God. This whole passage, this whole story comes to a climax that starts with repentance and leads to God's promises. And so let me read it again from verse 19 now. Repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. So first, God wipes away our sins. The Bible says that when we repent, they are removed from us in God's eyes as far as the east is from the west. Your guilt and your shame are zero in the eyes of God when you are in Christ Jesus. You do not have to carry them anymore. You can repent and turn to God and give them away. God says in the Bible that though your sins are as scarlet, I will make you as white as snow. That's God's first promise when we repent and turn to God. Second here, God will send us times of refreshing. Who here could use a time of refreshing right about now? When I have prayed about what the Spirit is doing among us, this is the phrase I get from God. I believe that through our fasting and prayer, through our conference, through our repenting and turning to God, God plans to do a major work of refreshing in and through all of us. I don't want to miss that. I don't want you to miss it either. That's the second promise of these verses. And the third is just as beautiful. God will again send you Jesus, 
your appointed Messiah. In Romans 8, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ. Jesus didn't come once and then go away and leave us forever. He actually told his disciples, it's better for me to ascend to heaven and go away than it is to say, because if I go, I can send the Holy Spirit to every one of you. And that's even better than the physical presence of our Lord himself. God wants to meet you in your everyday life, in all the gunky details of every day. God wants to come and live with you by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ is for you, day in and day out. Repentance and turning to God aren't meant to be a life of miserable denial. They're meant to be the start of a long relationship with God, the maker of all creation. Jesus is coming, friends. He's coming even today for you. I want to invite you to stand as you're able and the worship team to come forward at this time. We get to do the closing thing where we give ourselves to God and receive back whatever God has for us. I got three tips for you to put the Word of God into practice this week, and I love the tips today. I encourage you to tune in and give these a shot. Number one, read Acts 3. This is a great story. And linger on the times of refreshing because God has something for you in them. Tip number two, pray a prayer of repentance. This is an everyday tip, friends. This is a tip for you to carry on into your life as a follower of Jesus. And tip number three is to join us in fasting and praying. If you haven't thought about it, if you've thought, no way, that sounds super dumb, I want to encourage you, just read the prayer and fasting guide and then say a prayer because you don't have to do what the pastor says in this church. Amen? What we do is follow God. And you can trust anything that God says to you as you pray and as you ask him about good things like fasting and prayer. As we transition into worship, we're going to pray for that supernatural exchange again. I want to invite you to open your heart to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is present and the Holy Spirit is moving today. I'll invite you to hold your hands open in front of you if you want to. God, we repent. We confess all of us have done wrong. I have done wrong, God. All of us have missed the mark. We just want to give that to you. Any guilt or shame that come with it, we give that to you too, God. There's a bunch of sin and brokenness that's been done to us too. We got trauma, we got pain. We want to give that to you too right now, God. It's too big for us. Jesus, thank you for coming for just these things. The Son of God has come to lift these things away from you. Make us white again, Lord. God, we pray that you would take whatever we have, whatever we are, We pray that you would make us more like Jesus Christ. And we pray, God, would you pour your Holy Spirit out even now, all this week, through our fasting and prayer into our conference. Holy Spirit, come.
God sees those of you who have felt so alone through this season. He sees where you feel like you've been abandoned, like you're all on your own, like you're an island or a fortress and nothing can get to you. And God's inviting you today to come into the people of God and to be a part of the family. For the first time or the thousandth time, you're part of the family here. We welcome you in the name of God, brother and sister. If you're on the prayer team, could you come up at this time? As we transition into worship and prayer, we're going to continue to give ourselves to God. Those who are on the prayer team would love to pray a blessing for you or anything you ask them to pray about. Let's come to God together.